the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The new WTBN Pinellas Park. Government ought to put terror into the hearts of men and women if they disobey. That's right. They ought to do that. Human government is intended to put terror and fear in the hearts of evildoers. Government stands in the place of God and acts as his instrument to punish those who break the law. Now, we may not agree with the government's perspective of what is evil. Keep that in mind. But all the governments that I know of have the intent of punishing what they believe to be evil. Now, like I said, they may not have the same perspective of what's evil that we do. But every government, whether you agree with it politically or not, wants to punish evildoers and praise those who do good. Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China, understood the importance of government. As he sought to bring the gospel of Christ to the interior regions of China where no missionaries had ever been, Taylor and his fellow missionaries were often confronted by angry mobs. Taylor learned that the government officials were willing to protect him, not because they appreciated him or his message, but because they did not desire to have mobs working out their own brand of justice. Once a large mob that had been stirred up by vicious lies believed that the missionaries, or foreign devils as they called them, had captured and eaten little children in the villages. Thirsty for vengeance, the angry mob surrounded the complex where the missionaries lived and began trying to break down the doors. Hudson Taylor, accompanied by one other man, made a daring escape out the rear of the complex and outran the mob to the house of the community leader the Mandarin. Once inside the Mandarin's gates, they were protected and permitted to state their case. They explained to him that the rumors about them were not true. Finally, the Mandarin, though not fully convinced of their innocence, sent soldiers to stop the mob from killing everyone in the house so that the case could be investigated further. God used the Mandarin the head of the local government, to preserve his servants from that unruly mob, even though he was not a believer himself. Welcome to another edition of Verse by Verse. Today on the program, we will be continuing our study of the Christian's proper view of government. It is a study taken from the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. As always, our teacher here on Verse by Verse is Steve Kreloff, of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Let's join Pastor Steve now as he continues this study. So from Daniel's writings, we understand that God is totally sovereign, even with abusive governments. God is the one who raised up a Nebuchadnezzar, and he's the one who took him down for a time period, and he's the one who put someone in his place who wasn't any more godly than him, I might add, and then he also restored Nebuchadnezzar. That's in the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Great passage in John's Gospel. Very, very, very important passage of Scripture that often goes unnoticed or overlooked. Jesus is standing before Pilate, 
And Pilate is speaking to him, and Pilate is getting annoyed with Jesus, and he says uh, in verse 10 of John 19, Do you not know that I have authority to release you and have authority to crucify you? Don't you understand, Jesus, he's saying, that I'm the guy who calls the shots around here. It's great what Jesus said. Jesus said, you'd have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. Think about that. Pilate, you think that uh, you have authority over me? Listen, it is delegated authority. God has given you that authority. If God didn't give you that authority, you would have no authority over me. Now, Jesus didn't say that Pilate didn't have authority over him. Understand that. Here is, here is God in flesh saying to basically Rome, you have authority over me, but it's delegated. God gave you that authority. Was Pilate godly? No, he was a great coward. Was he a Christian? No. Was he a Democrat? No. Was he a Republican? No. No. God gave authority to Pilate and the Roman government. And I add, I might add, this was the same government that crucified the Son of God. There is no more atrocity in human history than deicide, a killing of God in flesh. So if you try to understand from the word of God, is God behind abusive governments in the sense that he establishes them? The answer is yes. Yes. But does that mean that God is responsible for the injustices of the government? No. No, God is never responsible for anyone's sin. Let me illustrate it this way. When a husband abuses a wife, God has established the home. He's given that man authority. Is God behind that man's abusiveness? No. There's apostasy in the church. What happens when when, uh, the church apostatizes, when pastors teach false doctrine? Does that make God responsible for that? No. God has just given them delegated authority. God isn't responsible for the sins of tyrants, but their authority to rule comes from him. The home is still a a sacred institution, though it's been corrupted. The church is still a divine institution, though there is apostasy. So understand, God is not responsible for the sins of a Hitler, of a Khomeini, of a Stalin, of communism. Well, you say, well, why then does he allow them to exist? It's very simple. I mean, simple in the sense I can give you that answer. I don't understand at all. But simple in the sense that he's allowed human government to exist and corrupt people to be in positions of authority in order to accomplish his sovereign purposes. doesn't mean that God is responsible for their sin. Sometimes God establishes a corrupt government in order to punish the people. Back in the Old Testament, this same Nebuchadnezzar is called my servant. Nebuchadnezzar was not a believer, and yet God said he's my servant. Why? Because Nebuchadnezzar was used of God to punish the people of Israel for their disobedience. Sometimes there is a valuable lesson that God wants to teach people. He wants to encourage them. And so he uses even a corrupt government. Haman was a man like that. Haman was uh, an anti-Semite of the 10th degree, and he's found in the book of Esther. And Haman was was the guy who wanted to exterminate all the Jews back then. Why did God allow him to come to office? God could have said, no way. I'm not going to put someone like that in office, but he did. Why? The lesson was this, to encourage the Jewish people that they could trust the Lord to protect them, that God would always protect his people no matter what. In fact, the Jewish people today, still today, celebrate the Feast of Purim, which is a yearly reminder that God watches over his people. They wouldn't have had that if Haman hadn't been the prime minister. 
What about in the modern sense of the case of an Adolf Hitler? Well, we certainly would never endorse that wickedness. But I'll tell you this, God used Adolf Hitler to bring about the modern state of Israel. The Jew was, was homeless. The Jew was turned away from the nations of the world. God used that situation to bring about Israel. Is God in control? Absolutely. Is God the one who even allowed Adolf Hitler to come to power? Yes. Could he have stopped it? Yes. Did he stop it? No. God had a purpose in it. I understand from some people who have been missionaries, who were missionaries for years in in, uh, Iran, which was known as Persia, that that numbers and scores of people who they had witnessed to for years and years and years and never came to Christ are coming to Christ now because of the Ayatollah Khomeini and the, and the things that are happening in that nation. Is God behind that? Yes, in that sense he is. How about in the case of communism today? Do you know that the church in China and the church in Russia is far stronger than the church in America? Maybe not as large, but far purer, far stronger. No question about that. These pe- Listen, it takes commitment to be identified with, with God's people in those countries. I just received this week a letter, a newsletter from uh, Dr. Sela. Actually, I, I received a letter from him, but while he was here, he left me a newsletter about what's happening in the Philippines and the, the conflict with, with communism. And he speaks there about how God has used that to make the hearts of many people tender. So God, yes, is behind. God establishes even corrupt governments. In the case of Rome and Pilate, greatest thing came out of that. Jesus died for your sins and mine. You see, how or why a ruler comes to power doesn't determine our responsibility to submit to him. That's the point. It doesn't determine our responsibility to submit to him. Even when evil men seize power, he permits their reign because he has a purpose to fulfill even through their misrule. See, God has his hand in the political scene, even today. And he has his hand there to bring about his will, and he'll even use wicked rulers to do it, and yet not be responsible for their wickedness. Perhaps the greatest illustration of this is just if you read prophecy and you understand that God will allow the Antichrist to come into power. The lawless one. John Phillips, in his excellent commentary on Romans, says this, and I, I quote this because he, he really hits the the nail on the head. He says, governments may be weak or strong, just or oppressive, benevolent or cruel, wise or foolish, but in each case, God has his way and moves his own plans forward. Democracies and dictatorships alike are under his control. God balances one nation off against another. He uses one nation to chastise another. Nations come and go. Kingdoms rise and fall. Empires wax and wane, but behind them all is God, overruling in the affairs of men. Wars and rumors of wars, famines, pestilences, depressions, disasters, all are woven into the fabric of history. From our viewpoint, the strands may seem tangled, meaningless, hopelessly knotted, unequal and wrong. But the tapestry he is weaving is perfect, and all the pressures of satanic force and human sin are gloriously overruled by a God who is both omnipotent and omniscient. So you understand, in Romans 13, when Paul says, submit yourselves to the governing authorities of the first reason, it's because it's been established by God. God has decreed it. God establishes it. 
I mean, understand, Paul is referring to the government that crucified God in flesh. He says, obey it. It derives its authority from him. So we don't have an option on that. Whether you agree politically or not with that government is not the point. So that's the first reason. God establishes government. There's a second reason found in verse 2. To resist government is to resist God. To resist government is to resist God. Verse 2, therefore, and you understand that therefore has a purpose. Paul is, is making a point of this. Therefore, a conclusion would be this. He who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. If God establishes governments and he gives them authority to rule, then to not submit to the government is in the final analysis to not submit to God. Now, this is the same thing in the home. You read in Ephesians chapter 5 how wives are to uh, submit themselves to their husbands. And Paul speaks in the Lord and for the Lord's sake and things like that. Why? A wife is to look at her husband and say, he stands in the place of God. Not that he is God, he stands in the place of God. And to obey the husband is obedience to God. Paul speaks in in Ephesians chapter 6 about slaves. Slaves were to obey their masters. And, and Paul says, don't give them eye service. Don't do it because they're watching you. Do it because the master is in the place of God. To obey the master is to obey God. And we'd put it in our, in our day and age, in our culture, an employee is to obey the employer. To not do that is to disobey the Lord. A child is to obey the parents. To not do that is to disobey the Lord because authority stands in the place of God. To resist authority is to resist God. Peter says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. You know what the mighty hand of God is? Anyone who God has put an authority over you. That's all. That's all. Let me illustrate it for you. Because this is very important. To resist government is to resist God. It's very serious. It's not just, can I get away with it? For a Christian ought not to have that attitude. We're speaking now about delegated authority. To not obey a babysitter is to not obey the parents who put that babysitter in charge. And you go out and you say, now look, whatever he or she says, you're to do. If that child disobeys, who's that child disobeying? Not really the babysitter, but the parents. If I tell my son that I'm going to be outside, I'm cutting the lawn, and I want him to watch the girls while I'm gone, my girls have to obey him. And he loves it, I might add. If they don't, they're disobeying not just him, but me. Even if my son, which he wouldn't do this, I know, would abuse that authority. See, that's not the point. Even if he abuses it, which, of course, I'm just being hypothetical, they are still to obey. You know, this gets into the small areas of life when nobody is watching. This gets into things that we said last week about safety belts, proper children's seats in in cars, I had an experience recently of uh, went uh, fishing and my son caught a fish. I think it's called a redfish. But there's a, an ordinance that says you have to throw him back right now. And we did that. But you might think, what difference would it make? Well, you see, that's not the point. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't disturb the, the fish world a great deal. Yeah, it wouldn't throw the balance off of, of the waters. The point is, it's not for us to decide what we want to obey and what we don't want to obey. We are to obey because to not obey is to resist God. And I don't want to resist God. I don't want to do that. 
And you see, understand that Paul is dealing now with committed Christians. That's his, his presupposition, that you have, you have done what Romans 12, 1 and 2 says. You have presented yourselves to him. There ought to be no question about it. If there's a question about disobedience, then you have to go back to Romans 12, 1 and 2 and say, maybe I have not presented myself to the Lord. So we submit to the government because God has established it. Secondly, because to resist government is to resist God. There's a third reason. To resist human government will result in punishment. The end of verse 2 says this, and they who have opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. In the authorized version, it says judgment. This doesn't mean that if you disobey a law, you're going to go to hell. That's not, that's not what Paul is speaking about. What it does mean is if you disobey the law, then God will punish you through the government. If you disobey, God's going to, going to punish you through the government. You see, the function of government is to punish evildoers. That is one function of government, the very primary function of government. Government basically is to do two things. It is to protect those who obey, and it is to punish those who disobey. If you understand that, you'll understand the function of government. Think back with me to the early days of mankind in the book of Genesis. Remember we said just a few minutes ago that until the day of of Noah, there was no human government? What happened when there was no human government? Because there are people who cry and say, there ought to be no government at all. People can take care of themselves, can they? Let's find out. In Genesis chapter 6, know what God says about that? God gave man a time to prove that. A man blew it. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 5, no human government. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. When man did not have a human restraint upon him, all he wanted to do was evil. Verse 11, now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God, and the earth was filled with violence. Not only did he want to do evil, he did evil, and he did violent evil things. Verse 12, and God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. And the result was the flood. God said, I'm going to wipe them all out, except Noah and his family. But after the flood, God instituted human government, civil government. Why? Well, if you look over, as we said, Genesis 9, to punish evildoers. 9, 6, whoever, he says in verse 5, and surely I will require your lifeblood. From every beast I will require it, and from every man, from every man's brother, I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God he made man. What he's saying is from now on, there's going to be restraint. If somebody murders someone, Noah, you have authority to execute them. Now, it has to be assumed that if a human government can punish murderers, it can punish lesser crimes too. And so God doesn't have to explain that you understand, Noah, you can do anything. I mean, if, if you can punish and execute murderers, you have the authority to handle lesser crimes too. So government exists to punish evildoers. And in Noah's case, what he said in the record says, the evil doing of murder, because men and women are made in the image of God. Government exists 
to punish evildoers. It also exists to do good to good citizens. Look in, in Romans chapter 13 again. It says this, verse 3. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what's good, and you'll have praise from the same. Now, I don't think this means that a police officer is going to pull you off the side of the road if you're, if you're obeying the law and going to just tell you what a nice job you're doing. I don't think that's the intent of this. But it means when the government... Uh, sees uh, citizens and and is aware of citizens who honor the government and really go out of their way to obey with the spirit of respect. And so there are incidents where the government honors people for good citizenship. There are many illustrations of that. But government exists for two reasons. He says in verse 3, there are cause of fear for those who do evil. Not for those who do good. They honor those who do good. But if you don't do good and you do evil, then you ought to be afraid. In fact, the word for fear, the Greek word is phobos, from which we get phobia. Government ought to put terror into the hearts of men and women if they disobey. That's right. They ought to do that. Human government is intended to put terror and fear in the hearts of evildoers. Government stands in the place of God and acts as his instrument to punish those who break the law. Now, we may not agree with the government's perspective of what is evil. Keep that in mind. But, but every government I know, know of, and I'm not an, certainly not an expert on all the governments in the world, but all the governments that I know of have the intent of punishing what they believe to be evil. Now, like I said, they may not have the same perspective of what's evil that we do. But every government, whether you agree with it politi- politically or not, wants to punish evildoers and praise those who do good. Let me give you an example. Rome punished Paul. Was Paul an evildoer? No. Did they think he was an evildoer? Yes. They did what they thought was right. They thought he was evil. Communist countries punish those who they think are evil. In fact, in governments that we would have uh, political problems with, I I say this, and it's very sad, but uh, they probably, not probably, they do a better job of punishing those who they consider evildoers than our own country. Let me put it this way. It is probably safer tonight to walk on the streets of a communist country than it is to walk on the streets of Miami Beach. The Apostle Paul suffered injustice at the hands of Rome's government, but he still recognized that governments are necessary entities that have been ordained by God. On several occasions, the Apostle utilized his status as a citizen of Rome in order to secure the benefits of the legal system. In fact, when he was convinced that the Jews in Jerusalem were planning to kill him, Paul used his right as a Roman citizen and made an appeal to be judged by Caesar himself. The Caesar at that time was Nero, a depraved madman who later initiated the official persecution of Christians within the empire. Nero was far from a good ruler, yet Paul continued to view the government of Rome as a form of protection against the lynch mob justice of the Jewish Sanhedrin. It can be difficult to live under tyranny or under a government which seems often to side with evil instead of against it. Many believers are suffering today under such governments. As children of God, we can take great comfort in the fact 
that even most powerful and evil governments are under his control and judgment. We should pray for our brethren as they patiently endure what our Father has allowed. As you listened to the broadcast today, you may have identified an area in your life where you need to change the way you view government and governmental authority. If you would like someone to pray with you regarding this need or any other need in your life, please give us a call right here at Verse by Verse. We would love to pray for you, to encourage you, and to help you in any way possible. The number to call is 727-239-0306. You can also call us if you would like to learn more about this ministry or about how you can partner together with us financially and help us keep these Bible lessons on the air. That number again is 727-239-0306. Verse by Verse also has a website where you can download or stream all of our previous broadcasts. The programs are arranged by series so that you can listen to any messages that you may have missed. The downloaded messages also provide a great way for you to give a friend or loved one a message from God's Word that will encourage and challenge them in their walk with Christ. You can visit our website at versebyverseradio.org and click on the Message Archive link near the top of the page. We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.